It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Monday morning. Welcome into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We have a jam-packed, loaded next two hours for you here on the Worldwide Sports Network. A lot to get into. We have breaking news coming down the wire Amazon has found their Thursday night analyst. It is going to be Kirk Herbstreit. The great ESPN color analyst is now for college football is now also dipping his toe in the water of the NFL. Will now be the Thursday night analyst for for Amazon as I try to move my mic here. And as you can see, things are off and running on this Monday. You take one Thursday off. There we go. And the whole studio comes crashing down. Now we are good to go on this Monday morning. Speaking of the studio, we will start the show here with a, a little bit of a show announcement. And that is, if you are sick and tired of looking behind me here and seeing the Notre Dame banner and the blue and gold wall or the Penn State poster or really picture behind me, I got good news for you. This is the last day the Ryan Hickey Show will be based in the home studio we're packing up we are hitting the road moving to new york city this week so unfortunately that means no show on thursday but that does mean though is a new background is a change of scenery is something else for you to look at besides just my ugly face for two hours on monday and thursday don't know exactly what it's going to look like yet my girlfriend is a um a very good interior designer so I'm, she will be in charge of uh setting the whole place up but Starting next Monday, brand new studio, kind of, which would just be my apartment from New York City, and something else to look at. New changes soon here. Hopefully, the background noise will still be quiet. New York City is very loud, and the walls are very thin, but fingers crossed, everything will go smoothly. The internet will be set up, so no show on Thursday, because your boy will be unpacking, trying to set everything up, get his life in order, but a week from today, brand new location. Still, though, the same Ryan Hickey show. So very excited about that. Just a heads up for you now. So the next time you tune in, you're not, you know, at least you know what the hell is going on, what everything's all different. So that will be fun and exciting. But we got a show to do for you here, so let's get into it. We are coming to you live, as always, from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios. Whether it's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners, make sure you check out BigItalyPizza.com to find a location near you. So we got to talk Aaron Rodgers again. I know, I know, you're sick and tired of it, but I want to spin this in a different direction and have a different conversation instead of just, where is he going? Because we had a uh, report from Ian Rappaport on late Friday night saying that Aaron Rodgers is truly torn about whether he wants to stay at the Packers or whether he wants to go somewhere else for 2022. Here is what he is torn about. He's not torn about where his future is going to be. Green Bay, Denver, etc. He is torn about who his future is going to be with. 
I think this entire saga, I think this right now entire question mark, right, of where Aaron Rodgers is going is based around not Aaron Rodgers, but Devontae Adams. His decision, Devontae Adams' future, that's right now has its own question marks, is the reason for the holdup for why we don't know where Aaron Rodgers is. And I think Devontae Adams' location next year is going to be the determining factor for where Aaron Rodgers is playing. That, to me, is why there's so much back and forth. Well, we still don't have a decision yet. Devontae Adams is the key to where Aaron Rodgers is playing next year. If you don't believe me, if you think that Aaron Rodgers is doing whatever he wants to do, he's his own man making his own decisions and basing it on no one else but himself, let me ask you this question. What's taking so long? What is taking so long for a decision to be made if it was truly just based on what Aaron wants? A few weeks ago, he said a decision is coming soon. It will be decided, preferably before, you know, free agency starts. The tag deadline is tomorrow, which is important for a reason I'll get into in a second here. But we are almost ready to start NFL free agency. And Aaron Rodgers, instead of even becoming close to a decision, instead of, you know, leaning one way or another, now we get reports from me and Rapport on Friday that he's torn between whether to stay or whether to go. And you know what? I believe those reports. I believe Aaron Rodgers hasn't made his mind up yet because in part, he is trying to see if Devontae Adams will be traded from the Packers. He is trying to see if Devontae Adams can join him elsewhere. Because I do believe if this decision had nothing to do with Devontae, we would have a decision already. Rodgers would know. He's, let's not, you know, forget. This guy has been in the news now for the last year. We have known ever since he returned in July that this decision was coming and that he had to make up his mind one way or another to stay or go. This is not out of the blue. This is not the Packers putting him in a, you know, a, a tough spot here and kind of, you know, blitzing him with this decision out of nowhere. He has had realistically since July to know at the end of the 2021 season, I'm going to have a decision to make. And now he's had over a month, a month and a half, almost two months now, since the season ended, to make up his mind and figure out whether he wants to stay or to go. And guess what? Again, I think it was just up to him. He would have made his decision already. Because if you look at the options to stay or go, there's not really much that is he has to wait for and see. Right, like for Green Bay, if he wants to kind of wait and see their direction of where they're going before he makes his decision, there's not much Green Bay can do. There's not really anything Green Bay to do. Green Bay can do to make it more enticing for him to stay. Right, like they are they are set. You know, they have to to Green Bay's credit at least bent over backwards and have made moves to accommodate Aaron Rodgers in a way the Packers haven't really done before. They traded for Randall Cobb in the summer when Aaron Rodgers wanted him back. They hired Tom Clements recently, his former quarterback coach, in which he has a lot of respect for when an opening was there. The Packers, to their credit, have done moves in order to placate Aaron Rodgers, in order to show basically goodwill towards him that, hey, we care about you, we want you here, we heard your complaints, we want to make sure that you are happy here and we will listen to your input when we feel it's right. And your voice will have, you know, 
will be weightier than it was, let's say, in previous years. So it's not like Aaron Rodgers has to wait to see what the Packers are going to do in terms of free agency, in terms of the draft, in terms of whether they truly will follow through on their promise to hear him or not. Because the team is already set, basically. They're in cap hell, so there's not many moves, trade-wise or draft-wise, they're going to do that's going to change Aaron Rodgers' thinking one way or another. They're going to tag Devontae Adams, which we'll get to in a second here. But there's not many moves the Packers can make to show Aaron Rodgers that they care about him and want to keep him. And again, like we said, they have shown now multiple moves to, to display to Aaron Rodgers, hey, we hear your voice. We want to have you become a part of the conversation when it comes to decision-making. So they have done a lot of you know, moves to their credit to kind of show Aaron Rodgers, hey, we care about you. On the flip side, if Rodgers wanted to leave, if he was thinking about leaving, I think we would have the decision already as well because you look at the Broncos, the, the team most rumored to be in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, they are also set. They have you know, not been shy about wanting Rodgers. They've not been shy about doing whatever is possible. They have a young team full to, you know, with a great roster. So again, that's not a team that has to make a lot of moves where they need, let's say, to sign two receivers, make a big-time trade for an offensive lineman, and hire a head coach that he wants. Everything is set in Denver, and everything is set, is set in Green Bay. So there's nothing Aaron Rodgers has to wait and see about. So if his decision was truly just about what he wants – we would have a decision already because, again, everything is set in Green Bay. Everything is set in Denver. But the reason for the tossing and turning, the reason for the fact that, you know, the reports are out on just Friday, a few days ago, that he's still torn about a decision and doesn't know, has to do with trying to figure out the future of Devonta Adams. Now, Adams is a free agent. The tricky part here is, is that the Packers can franchise tag Adams. The deadline is tomorrow. So you franchise tag him. He's there in Green Bay for a year. Then they can figure out whether a contract extension is going to come down or not. But I think the reason for all of this, I guess, stuck in the middle right now is because I think Rodgers is trying. I think Rodgers wants to leave. And I think he's trying to leave only if Devontae Adams can come with him. That's what I think is leading to this delight. I think Aaron Rodgers is trying to work with the Packers, trying to see if they will trade both him and Devontae Adams to the same team, which right now we believe to be the Broncos. That is what the holdup is, whether it's trying to convince them from saying no to yes, whether it's trying to convince the Broncos to up their trade offer, whatever it is, I think that is the reason for this holdup is because Aaron Rodgers is going to play where Devontae Adams is playing next year. So when the Packers franchise tag him this offseason, tomorrow, today, whenever that is, I think the big question now is will they trade him? If Devontae Adams says, I don't want to be here, I want to play elsewhere, even though you franchise tag me, I'm not going to sign an extension, I think, you know, from that perspective now, the ball is in the Packers' court. you got a decision to make. Should we trade both Rodgers and Devontae, with one year left on their deal. Because remember, Aaron Rodgers is a free agent after the 2022 season. This is the last year of his deal. So if he doesn't sign an extension, if Devontae Adams doesn't sign an extension, both can walk and leave for nothing after the 2022 season. So you have that to worry about if you're the Packers. Or do you say, you know what? Fine. 
We'll trade both of you. We will get, a, you know, a boatload of picks back, maybe some young players back from the Broncos as well, and get an absolute haul to kind of help the Jordan Love era kickstart. That, is, I think, is what the holdup here is. Is will the, will the Packers trade both Devontae and Rodgers to the team of their choosing? Will they be a package deal in a trade? Because I do think no matter what, they are playing together next year. I don't see Aaron Rodgers returning to the Packers and then the Packers trading Devontae Adams or not even franchise tagging him, which would be ludicrous in its own right. And I don't see Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay and then Devontae Adams signing an extension with the Packers and staying there for the next five, six, seven years. I do think they are a package deal together. I do think they want to play together, whether that's in Green Bay, whether it's Denver, whether it's elsewhere. And that, to me, is the big holdup of why we don't have a decision right now. The holdup is, can we get both out? Can, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, can I finagle my way to convince the Packers to trade Devontae Adams to the team of my choosing? So I think Aaron Rodgers has a decision about whether he wants to stay or leave, but now that decision is being impacted by whether he can get the best player he's ever played with by his side. That is what Aaron Rodgers said about Devontae Adams. So yes, I do think, and you're sitting there questioning, well, why would Aaron Rodgers care about what, where Devontae Adams plays? If he goes to the, the Broncos, they have a lot of great young receivers. If you go to you know other teams, there are other receivers in the NFL that are really good. I get it. But again, you don't call Devontae Adams the best player you ever played with and then just be you know, willing to leave him willy-nilly. I do think Aaron Rodgers, his future is being determined by the future of Devontae Adams. If the Packers play hardball, they say we're franchise tagging Devontae, we're not trading him no matter what, and Devontae doesn't sign an extension, I think both are back in Green Bay in 2022 and then both leaving in 2023. But I do think as we sit here on March 7th, as reports come out that Devontae Adams is torn, sorry, Aaron Rodgers is torn between whether he wants to stay or go, he's not torn, and remember, about where he wants to play, whether he wants to stay at the Packers, whether he wants to play in, in Denver, in Vegas, in Pittsburgh. I think he's torn about trying to figure out the future of Devontae Adams and whether he can get a trade with Devontae elsewhere. That is what he's torn about. That is what the that is where the uncertainty is coming from. Can I make sure the best player I've played with wherever I go is with me by my side next year? That is what this delay about uh, delay is about. That is why we still don't have a decision yet on March seventh, almost two months after the first you know after the season ended. So I'm curious your thoughts here. Rodgers and Adams, are they a package deal in your mind? Should the Packers, if this is truly what I believe is coming to fruition, that Rodgers wants to leave, but he's trying to also get De- uh, Devontae out with him, should the Packers trade both? Should they cut bait, knowing both are free agents after this season if Devontae Adams doesn't sign an extension? And should they get out ahead of it and trade both for what would be a haul of hauls? Maybe, arguably, the most or the biggest trade we've ever seen. Should the Packers do it? Let's get your thoughts here. Facebook Worldwide Sports Network. You could tweet us at Ryan Hickey Show, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter, also WWSRN underscore radio. So we'll get your thoughts. We're also on YouTube, Worldwide Sports Network. So make sure you check us out, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. We're all over the digital platform. So we'll get your thoughts. 
Aaron Rodgers, Devonta Adams, are they a package deal? Is Aaron Rodgers basing his decision on the future of Devontae Adams? So we'll get your thoughts there. When we return, we, like we said, we, we had some breaking news to start the show. Amazon has found their new Thursday night analyst. We'll tell you who it is and if it's a good move when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show, right here, world, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We had some breaking news, top of the hour. Ari Myrov, who you most of you know as just my sports update on Twitter, a tremendous, tremendous NFL follow. If you are on Twitter, don't follow him. I highly suggest you change that because he is one of the great curators of all NFL content out there. In case you missed anything, he is always tweeting all sports news that happens 24-7 in the NFL. He tweeted a half hour ago, not even, that Amazon is getting set to hire Kirk Herbstreet, the college football analyst for ESPN, to be their Thursday night analyst this season. Remember, Amazon is taking over for Fox uh, to broadcast Thursday night football. So they had interest in Troy Aikman. Um, obviously, Troy Aikman goes to ESPN for their Monday night booth. And now Kirk Kerbstreet will still continue to do college. Don't worry, college fans, including myself, will, I believe still be on game day, it looks like, and still also you know do the big game of the week with Chris Fowler on ESPN primetime. But now he's adding Thursday night football, Thursday night NFL football. He'll be the Amazon analyst for their new Thursday night football package. Now, I'm excited. I think Kirk is a great analyst, and I think Amazon really nailed both aspects here. Number one, likability. Big name. I do think, in a sense, having a big name in the booth is a little overrated because we don't tune in for the analyst, right? Like, let's just call it for what it is. Whether it's Tony Romo, whether it's Kirk Kerbstreet, whether it's Joe Buck, whether it is... The Manning cast, even. No one watches any particular football game for who is calling it. Right? If we have, it's a Sunday, and there's 10 games on at 1 o'clock, the odds are, if you are just looking for a random game, if you are not a fan of any of the teams playing but want to watch a game, you are not going to see, oh, well, who's calling this game versus who's calling that game? You look for the, the matchup that stands out to you the most or the players you want to see the most. You're not watching for who is calling the game and who is announcing. So I do think, in a sense, getting a quote-unquote big name in the booth is a little overrated. With that said, though, getting a good analyst is key. Again, excuse me, we're not going to turn off the game if the analyst stinks. All right, Monday Night Football, we still watch, despite the fact that Lewis Riddick, which I really like and did a good job, but Brian Greasy, Steve, Steve Levy were just okay. Nothing great, nothing spectacular. You know, Monday Night Football, whether it's Jason Witten, which was a total disaster, and Joe Testator. Right, we're still watching these games, even if the announcers doing them aren't great. But do having a, an announcer, a good analyst in there, is key because it does help make not only the broadcast more enjoyable, but you also learn something. Like, that is one of the things about our society in this day and age that I think is a positive. Now, there's a lot of negativity and a lot of negative attributes and adjectives used to describe kind of society today. 
one of the things I will say though that's positive is that with all the information out there, with all the different ways that we can access info at the you know with basically our phone at the click of a button, we have become now a smarter society overall. Maybe you know some videos on social media would suggest otherwise, and some tweets, but I think overall. We have become smarter now, and we want to learn. Don't just say, oh, this is what happened. Explain to me why this happened. Why did the quarterback get sacked? Why all of a sudden was, even though the throw looked good on our end, and it looked like the receiver dropped the ball, why is it still on the quarterback? The analysts that can really take us behind the curtain and and show the reasons why things either work or don't work make everyone smarter, and that, I think, is what we're looking for in a broadcast, and that to me is what Kirk Herbstreit brings. He is a tremendous analyst on uh, ESPN. Does a great job with Chris Fowler uh, doing the college football games. He's an awesome college game day host. He has the ability in game to see things as they develop right away and to explain them in a quick and concise way that is easy to easy to digest, but also not holding up the game to we're still you know talking about a play that happened th- three plays ago and missing stuff that happens now. He is quick, he's on the ball, he's concise, and he's able to, again, break it down in the easy-to-understand way, which is really what you want, which is key. Like, I I like Tony Romo a lot, don't get me wrong, but Tony Romo this year, a lot lot of times, is stumbling over his words, kind of going, talking about sentences, and then takes a, you know, veers left in the conversation, veers right, rarely kind of gets back to the point he was talking about. And it does get confusing at times. So to have an analyst that, again, is easy to follow, knows what he's talking about, quick to the point, able to point things out on a quick replay that we may didn't, you know, we didn't see live, brings so much added value to the broadcast. I think that's what Kirk is bringing to Amazon, which is a huge get for them. Name-wise is big, right? Everyone knows Kirk Herbstreit if you're a, a big college football fan. And he's done a few NFL games as well, so you are familiar with him. But I think more than just the name is the analysis he brings and the job he does. Because I will say, no matter who they hired, whether it was Drew Brees, whether it was Greg Olson, whether it was Kirk, whether it was Troy Aikman, whoever. To me, again, the name would have been, okay, wow, Troy Aikman's calling this game. But the, an- the analysis, the ability to captivate on camera would have resonated. So no matter who they hired, if they did a good job, that to me you know, would have been paramount. And whether it was a good analyst with a big name or whether it was a bad analyst, that would have stuck out. So props to you, Amazon. Good hire here. I like the Kirk Kerbshoot hire. He's someone that's done a tremendous job with college football content. I am glad that he is still staying at ESPN doing college football because that is someone still. Now, you think college football, you think of Kirk Herbstreit as one of the first people to break it down. And he's a very trustworthy voice as well, which I think is important because he doesn't really, he rarely gets hyperbolic. He rarely overreacts. And for the most part, does a good job of staying even keel, whether it's seeing a great play and, and not trying to overhype it too much or seeing a bad play or a bad stretch and not trying to get overhyped there either. He does a great job of staying down the middle, not allowing his emotions, which I'll be honest, is tough for me to do, get, it, you know, get in the way. And uh, overtake some of your thinking. But good, good, good hire by Amazon here. I think that is definitely something that will uh, pay off in the long run here. And um, be good for us football fans. Who want to learn. Who want a good broadcast. Who want a nice, clean product. This is good for all of us as football fans now. As Amazon comes into the realm 
of broadcasting Thursday night football. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show um, as well. I do want to hit on uh, the Seahawks and Russell Wills. Because as we know, right, anytime we talk about a possible Russell Wilson trade, it's always from the lens, it's always from the perspective of the quarterback. He should want out of Seattle. He should force a trade. He was upset last year, tried to force a trade. This year, he'll definitely do so, coming off a worse season in 2021 than in 2020 when he first um, put out his displeasure. Forget about from the Russell Wilson perspective. I want to look at this from the Seattle perspective, the Seahawks organization perspective. They need to trade Russ this offseason. This is, to me, in Seattle's best interest to trade Russell Wilson this offseason, and here's why. Right now, with the limited availability they have, whether it's draft capital, whether it is um, whether it's free agent money or the salary cap, they don't have a lot of room to get better. And right now with Russell Wilson, he's not the problem. The issue is the rest of the team around Russell Wilson is not very good. So as long as Russ is there, as long as his salary is still increasing, and as long as Seattle continues to kind of struggle to put pieces around him, this is a team that's going to perpetually be stuck in the middle for the rest of the Russell Wilson era. Like, honestly, is this a Super Bowl team in your mind? No. This is not a team that's better than the Rams. If Aaron Rodgers stays, this is not a team that's better than the Packers. The Cardinals are, you know, improving. The NFC right now is wide open, yes, but one or two trades can really quickly turn the tide of the conference. And right now, I don't see Seattle as a Super Bowl contender. And with Russell Wilson there and healthy, this team is not, you know, picking in the top five or the top ten every year so they can get young, cheap talent. This is a team that is right now stuck in the middle. The worst spot to be in sports. No place you'd rather be. Just good enough to make the playoffs, not good enough to come anywhere close to a Super Bowl, not bad enough to get, you know, so, some top 10 picks in order to, again, get good, you know, young, good talent, blue chip prospects on your team. So in order to get unstuck, to break the malaise of going 9-8, and eight, 10 and 7 every single year, 7 and 10. You trade Russell Wilson now at his highest value. You hit the reset button in 2022, and you try to build the team in a mirror image like it did a decade ago when you first got Russ, when you built the Legion of Boom, and you had one of the great runs a team has had where they were dominant for three or four years. They made back-to-back Super Bowls, should have won back-to-back Super Bowls, as we know. And had a, a, a really great run where they are one of the elite teams for a good five-year stretch. They built that team through the draft. And I think the only way to kind of get back to that level, the Legion of Boom era, if you will, is to tear it down right now, trade Russell Wilson, and get a boatload, a boatload of picks back. Because if you look at the Seahawks right now, there's too many holes on the team with Russ there in order for them to fix it to become again or to become a Super Bowl contender again. Now you look at the offense. They have Tyre Lockett, they have DK Metcalf, and they have Russell Wilson. Great. A great trio right there. They got nothing else. They have nothing else. Offensive line for Seattle is not very good. They absolutely can be better, and there's not a lot of 
um, avenues to improve that. Chris Carson is a good running back. Unfortunately for him, he can never stay healthy. So again, for a team, mind you, led by Pete Carroll that wants to run the ball and play good defense, they struggle running the ball because the offensive line is not very good and their running back can't stay healthy. Speaking of playing good defense, they can't get after the quarterback. They're not very good defensively. They're not a, a lockdown defensive team. They are not good enough defensively to rely on them and rely on the defense to win you games. You shouldn't be doing that anyway when you have Russell Wilson, but as you know, Pete Carroll's old school is going to live, live and die by the sword. That is his defense. But the defense is not good enough to rely on. So you're relying on a unit that can't get the job done. This is a team that traded two first-round picks and gave an extension to Jamal Adams, who is technically a safety, but he's basically a glorified linebacker. Guy can't cover anyone, doesn't want to hit anyone either. He's someone who's really kind of just a waste of space. Uh, Let's be completely honest here. Let's call for what it is. So you have assets that were relocated in the wrong areas. You have swing and misses on some trades and fragency. You got a defense that is not very good. An offensive line that can't block anyone. You're running back that can't stay healthy. How is this team going to be in Super Bowl contention, even though you have the quarterback to do so, when you have nothing else around them? When you can't run the ball and you can't play good defense. So let me ask again, how is this team beating the Rams? How is this team beating the Packers? How is this team beating the 49ers or the Cardinals? Hell, maybe even the Cowboys. They can't beat. So when you have a very conservative head coach in Pete Cal already that doesn't want to use his quarterback, doesn't want to rely on, for whatever reason, a top five quarterback in the NFL, what good is it in keeping him? If Pete wants to, to play conservative and not allow Russ to cook because he's nervous about the turnovers, what is the point of having a top five quarterback on your team if you're not going to let him loose? So you might as well get a ton of draft capital back. Might as well get some young players back in a deal to infuse your old and aging roster with some young and inexpensive talent to at least be able to build up the rest of the roster to give yourself a chance. So this team has a lot of deficiencies on the roster, and it's going to get a lot worse, I think, before it gets better. So this team is at best a marginal playoff team. I think 11 and and 6 is kind of like a, a, right now, a high point for this team, but come playoff time, nowhere near Super Bowl contender. But you look at just their division. You don't make the playoffs. Obviously, it starts to win the division. Here's a hot take for you. Seahawks, no chance winning the division. No chance. They are the worst team in their division. Look at the NFC West. Yes, the NFC West is the most competitive division in the NFL right now. You get the Rams, obviously, coming off their Super Bowl run. It looks like they're going to try to retain as much of the team as possible. The 49ers right now have a great, great roster. They have one of the best rosters in all the NFL. Whether it's Trey Lance next year, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, whether it's Tom Brady, this team is going to be a handful to deal with. And especially if they get Tom Brady. This is, you can make the, I'd make the argument, this is, you know, the team to beat in the NFC. So the, uh, the, the 49ers right now are quarterback away from being the best team in the NFC. And if Trey Lance develops, good luck. That's a, that's a team for 10 years that's going to be, you know, dominating the NFC West. And the Cardinals, I'm not a big believer in Cliff Kingsbury, to be completely honest. Kyler Murray, I think, is 
towards the end of the last two years has disappointed. With that said, though, the Cardinals have gotten better each of the last three years. They have more talent on their roster. They have a higher ceiling right now than the Seahawks. So all three teams in the NFC West, the Rams, the 49ers, the Cardinals, are trending up. The Seahawks are trending down. The Seahawks are going the wrong way. This is a team that's not very good around Russ. This is a team that has aged out of their prime. They right now have the 10th oldest roster in the NFL. They're one of the oldest teams in all of the NFL. And do you know what? Do you remember when they were in their heyday, the Legion of Boom, again, a decade ago? They, when they had their rise and their peak of their success, were one of the youngest teams in the NFL. The year they won the Super Bowl in 2013, they had the fourth youngest roster. Fourth youngest. So they were able to win with youth and, again, get everyone a hit on their draft picks, get some good free agents on the team, and were able to conjure up the perfect storm to win the Super Bowl. Right now, it's the opposite. They have one of the oldest rosters, which means there's not a lot of development left, right? You can't hope that, okay, this player takes another step and this player takes another step and they're going to be a lot better in 2022 if you're on the roster back. They don't have a ton of areas to get better in. They don't have a first-round pick this year because of the Jamal Adams trade. They have some cap room, but again, the fraging class isn't great, and I don't think that, you know, Seattle is a right now a sexy destination. You don't have a lot of areas to improve your team. You have an aging old roster. So again, more players are on their decline and aging out of their prime than entering their prime, which is, again, another reason why they're on the downslope while everyone else in the NFC West is young and only rising. And if you look at it, the market for trading Russell Wilson, if you're the Seahawks, has never been better. Teams are right now desperate for that quarterback. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't leave, if he stays in Green Bay, you by far have the bell of the ball now of any quarterback on the market. Deshaun Watson, we still don't know what his legal situation is going to be. Obviously, a lot of questions around him. Talent-wise, contract-wise, talent-wise, he could be the best bargain um, of any of the quarterbacks. But like we said, a lot of question marks. We don't even know if he's going to be legally uh, able to play. Guy could be in jail for all we know. A lot of questions around Deshaun Watson. So right now, if you are the Seahawks, teams are foaming at the mouth to get a new quarterback. Even if Aaron Rodgers is traded, there are still 10 other teams that would be in the running to trade for Russell Wilson. So you can get back an absolute haul of a trade. Young players, first-round picks, you can really get five, six, seven pieces back for a Russell Wilson trade, which again... Makes your team better around Russell Wilson or around the quarterback position, which right now it's not. And you can set yourself up to have a down 2022 season and look to 2023, which guess what? If you have a down 2022 year, you're in the top 10 in the draft, maybe top seven. Don't look now. You got some big time quarterback prospects coming out of the draft. You got Alabama's Bryce Young most likely going to be in the draft. You have Ohio State's C.J. Stroud. You can have another quarterback or two develop as well. You are going to have a deep and polished draft class next year compared to this year where no one really knows who quarterback one is. There's questions of how many quarterbacks will even go in the first round. There's not one guy that really stands out and says, wow, that's a guy we have to have. It's not a star-studded quarterback class. So if you are Seattle and you trade Russell Wilson, 
this offseason in a quarterback-hungry market. Get a ton of picks back. Get a few young players back as well. Build up the team around the quarterback position. And then in 2023, go draft your quarterback. You can have another 10-year run like the Seahawks did in the 2010 era to be back on top and keep up with the other three teams in your division because a lot of those teams are not going anywhere fast. The Seahawks have hit the ceiling with Russell Wilson at quarterback. Nothing of Russ is doing. The team around him sinks. The head coach is outdated. Not a lot of avenues to get better. And the rest of the division is younger and better than where the Seahawks are right now. The Seahawks have to make the move. Hit the reset button. Get some draft picks. Get some talent. Get some cash space on this team. Take a one-year hiatus from competition in 2022. Get your quarterback in 2023 and go from there. I think this is one of the rare cases, one of the rare cases, where making a trade and trading away your top five quarterback willingly is the right move. I think the Packers want to keep Aaron Rodgers. They're not trying to trade him. If they do trade him, it's because of Aaron Rodgers' decision. The Texans wanted to keep Deshaun Watson even before the legal stuff popped up. But as we know, their mismanagement forced Deshaun Watson out. So not a lot of teams willingly, if ever, want to move on from their top five quarterback. This is one of the rare, rare, rare circumstances where I think it does make sense for the team. I think it makes sense for the Seattle Seahawks to trade Russell Wilson this offseason. Do you agree? Do you agree? Would it make sense? Love to get your thoughts. Twitter, at Ryan Hickey Show, WWSRN underscore radio. Does it make sense? For the Seahawks to want to trade Russell Wilson this offseason. Facebook, you can comment Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And on YouTube, we're their Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So make sure you type it on YouTube. Click on the live. You know, we're live. So click on the live uh, video. Comment right there. Does it make sense for the Seahawks to trade Russell Wilson? We'll get your thoughts. And when we return, the Cowboys have made their decision on a wide receiver. They are moving on from Amari Cooper. Is it the right move? We'll discuss when we return. You'll send to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ryan Hickey Show with you right here. Where else? The Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Chatting about now the Dallas Cowboys making the right move and moving on from Amari Cooper. Here's why. I got three letters to explain why the Amari Cooper move from Dallas, from moving on, whether it's cutting him, whether it's trading him the next few days, it's the right move. Three letters to explain why. R-O-I. Return on investment. The Cowboys were not getting the return on their investment back from what they gave Amari Cooper. And if you are paying a receiver $20 million a season like the Cowboys were, and he isn't one of the best receivers, forget even in the NFL, on your team, you cannot continue to keep him around. So for the Cowboys, yeah, it's the right move. You got to cut bait. Like the Cowboys, like I said, we're giving him $20 million a year. That is the fourth highest salary for a receiver in the NFL. Right now, currently. 
Amari Cooper was the fourth highest paid receiver in the NFL going into this year. Let me ask you this question. Was he the fourth best receiver in the NFL? Was he playing like his contract said he was? No. Forget just 2021. Even throughout his career, has he ever been a top three, top four, top five wide receiver during his time, whether it's Dallas or then Oakland? I would say no. So you're paying him to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. You're paying him to be in the same class as Devontae Adams, as Cooper Cup, as you know, guys like Justin Jefferson are starting to, to get into, DeAndre Hopkins, but you're not getting that return. You're paying him to be in that elite group, but you're not seeing the results on the field. 2021 was a complete disaster, right? As we know, 865 yards, that's it. 68 receptions, that's it. Missed two games because of COVID. Had just 200-yard games all season. Your $20 million a year receiver had just 200-yard games in 2021. That's unacceptable. But even though 2021, we will say, chalk it up to a rare down year because out of the seven years um, that Amari Cooper's been in the NFL, his credit, he's a four-time Pro Bowler, and he has five seasons of 1,000 receiving yards or more. So he has put up numbers. He has shown you that, okay, maybe 2021 was a fluke. But even if you look at his past success, again, four-time Pro Bowler out of seven years, and five out of the seven years, he's had at least 1,000 yards in a season. I get it. The stats are there. With that said, though, again, I'll ask you the question I just asked before. Has Amari Cooper ever been that standout top five receiver in the NFL? I would say no. At this point, CeeDee Lamb has passed him as the best receiver on the Cowboys. So even though 2021 was a down year, even though he's had success in the past, he has, I think, shown you at this point of his career, even though he's only 27, there's enough of a sample size to feel comfortable in making a determination and a, and a conclusion that Amari Cooper is never going to be a top five receiver in the NFL. You are paying him to be a top five receiver in the NFL. He is not producing like a top five receiver in the NFL. So what are you going to do? You're going to just keep him around? Do what the literal definition of insanity is and just keep on running him out there and doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results? Forget just doing the same thing with Amari Cooper and running him out there with his high salary despite the fact he doesn't deserve it or doesn't deserve it, maybe harsh. Doesn't hasn't lived up to it. How about that? We'll go with that. He hasn't lived up to the contract. This Cowboys team overall needs a shakeup. This Cowboys team cannot run it back as currently constructed in 2022. Yes, they won 12 games. I get it. Yes, they won the, the vaunted NFC East this past season. But the Cowboys by far were one of the weakest playoff teams, and it showed in the wild card round where they got beat by Jimmy Garoppolo who had a bad game. On your home field, mind you. So if you're the Cowboys, there is nothing for you to feel good about if you run this team back that has you feeling like you can take a bigger step in 2022 than you did in 2021 come playoff time. So a shakeup needs to happen. And even though, sure, technically you can get worse by moving out for Amari Cooper, and it appears the Amari Cooper move is opening up salary so they could sign Michael Gallup to a long-term extension 
and sign free agent Dalton Schultz to an extension as well. Okay, is Schultz and Gallup going to replace what Amari Cooper did? Eh, maybe. It's not going to be a dramatic upgrade for sure. So you can make the argument, okay, wow, the Cowboys are losing an important piece uh, of their offense. I would argue, again, not only does a shakeup need to happen, it's not worth keeping a guy that's overpaid on your roster to underproduce. In the big games of the season, Amari Cooper is nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. In these big playoff games where Dak Prescott has struggled to play well anyway, you need a receiver that can take over the game that can make Dak's life easier. I have trust and faith CeeDee Lamb can do that. I don't have faith or belief that Amari Cooper can do that. So I give the Cowboys a lot of credit for, you know what? Recognizing the mistake, owning the mistake, and moving on. They are not a slave to the salary. They are not looking at Amari Cooper saying, we cannot get rid of this guy. We're paying him $20 million a season. He's still, you know, for the most part, a productive receiver. Um, even though 2020 was a down year, we're going to keep him, you know, we're going to believe that 2022 will be a bounce back year from this past season he just had. But I give the Cowboys a lot of credit because they realize even if a bounce back season does happen, he is still not good enough to justify a top five salary in the wide receiver market. So move on. Cut bait. Own your mistake. That, to, to the Rams' credit, the Los Angeles Rams' credit, that is something, and in part, their decision-making in order to recognize a mistake and own up to it is part of the reason why they won the Super Bowl this past year. They gave Todd Gurley a boatload of money. They gave him a massive extension. He had a great five-year run. But as we know, starting in 2018, his knees started barking. Second half of the year, he wasn't Todd Gurley. That run to the Super Bowl was made in spite of him. He wasn't even on the field in the, in the Super Bowl or in the NFC title game. He barely was playing in these games. And 2019 wasn't much better. So to the Rams' credit, they bit the bullet. Less than two years after giving Todd Gurley an extension, they cut him. They ate the money. They, you know, ate some of the mockery that they received publicly for cutting a guy they just gave a big-time extension to. But they realized Todd Gurley is never going to be the running back that we paid him to be. So instead of just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again, we're going to move on. We're going to move on and find someone who can do it, who can bring us more value at the position. It wasn't just Todd Gurley. did it with Jared Goff. Jared Goff got them to a Super Bowl. Now, he was, was he on the ride more than getting there? Absolutely, right? There was more the Rams did around him that got them to the Super Bowl than Jared Goff leading the Rams to the big game. But again, he has reached the Super Bowl. Not a lot of quarterbacks can say that. They gave the Rams it, Jared Goff an extension after that season. As we know, in 2019, they had a down year, missed the playoffs overall. 2020, they basically benched Jared Goff late in the season and preferred John Wolford to start a playoff game over Jared Goff. I know he had a thumb injury, but still, Jared Goff played against the Seahawks when John Wolford got hurt. He was healthy enough to play, and Sean McVay made the decision, we're going to go with the backup. So the Rams, after giving Jared Goff an extension again, weren't slaves to the contract and said, you know what, this guy can't play. The, forget the fact we paid him. He is not bringing value to the position, and if he's not valuable, we're not keeping him. They cut Todd Gurley, opened up salad for them going forward. They traded Jared Goff and traded away a first-round pick just to get him off their team. 
in order to bring Matthew Stafford in. So to the Rams' credit, they made mistakes, but they identified them, owned up to them, and moved on pretty quickly. Rectified the situation very quickly. The Cowboys are doing that in this scenario, and that's why I applaud them. You gave Amari Cooper $20 million. Even though 2021 was a down year, and again, you're going to point to five out of seven years of him being a 1,000-yard receiver, he has never been that kind of player that's a top-five receiver in the NFL. If you're going to pay him to be a top-five receiver, and he's really never reached that point, there's no reason to keep him. The return on investment isn't there. And if it's not there, trade him or cut him. Move on. Get someone else in there. Use that money to fix another part of the team. Forget about just bringing another receiver in. Maybe use that money now that you saved at linebacker, at defensive end, at offensive line. You now have flexibility to shore up another position on your roster that you couldn't by giving a guy who's not living up to the value in Amari Cooper. So there's a lot I saw on Twitter on Friday that were saying, bad move by the Cowboys. Look how you know productive he has been in his career. He's going to go quickly off the hot, you know, he's going to be... I should say quickly go off the free agent market. And that's true. I mean, he should have a lot of interest in the free agent market. There should be at least 10 teams that get into a bidding war for Mark Cooper. I'm not telling you the guy sucks, but he's not a top five receiver in the NFL. He's getting paid like it. And there's no sense of keeping that around. So I applaud the Cowboys. They made the good and the right decision to move on from Mark Cooper because his contract isn't justifying or his play, I should say. Let me start that again. His play doesn't justify the contract. You make the argument this show doesn't justify the $0 a year um, I, I get on this. But with that said, props to you for the Cowboys identifying a mistake and moving on. Speaking of making a mistake, I, I know, I know, it's very surprising. I myself made a huge mistake this time last week. I was chiding Kyler Murray. I was laughing at Kyler Murray for him demanding a new contract this offseason. I, I told you right here on the show a week ago. Go back to it. I said, no way in hell the Cowboy, uh, the Cardinals, Cowboys, Car- uh, Cowboys in the brain, the Cardinals should give Kyler Murray a contract extension. Well, a week later, I'm going to do something I, I hate doing, but I have to do. I got to walk that back. I was wrong. When we return here on the Ryan Hickey Show in a few short minutes, I'll explain to you why I have changed my tune. And now I believe the Cardinals need to, should, give Kyler Murray a contract extension. We will discuss that when we return. Listen to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hour number two of the Ryan Hickey Show. As always, the 10 o'clock hour is sponsored by you know who, LC Designs. Charcuterie boards are perfect for all occasions, so make sure your guests are happily fed with some delicious and aesthetically pleasing charcuterie boards made by Lauren Clark herself. So check out LC Designs. NYC.com, LCDesignsNYC.com for more information. And especially, too, on a beautiful day like today, wherever you are, hopefully the weather's nice. For me, today here on Long Island, 50 degrees, sun is out, spring is in the air for the first time really this year. 
nothing wants you to be, you know, no better reason to go outside, have a nice little picnic outside, eat outside, and, and have a charcuterie board. Perfect. That to me is what springtime weather means, what it feels like, and especially on a day like today, where the digits start with a five, it is a great day to be outside, have a little picnic, and do anything, have any excuse to enjoy finding some nice weather. So let's get into it here. The Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. I am doing something here that I hate to do, but I'm admitting I'm wrong. Last week, when the news first came out, when uh, Kyler Murray's agent leaked to Adam Schefter that Kyler Murray basically is demanding a brand new contract extension this offseason, frankly, I laughed at him. I thought, no way in hell should the Cardinals give him a new deal. And most people did the same thing. There was a lot of slam dunking on Kyler Murray, a lot of laughing at him, a lot of mocking him for wanting a new deal. Guys like, you know, the list of Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Sean Watson getting new deals after year three. Yeah, those players have earned them. They've won playoff games. They've won MVPs. They have, you know, been in the, they have been the reason why his team, their teams have been winning. They've won big games. And Kyler Murray's not in that class. So I was laughing at Kyler Murray for, for demanding a new contract. I thought the Cardinals would be absolutely crazy to give him a new deal this year because I didn't think he earned it. But something has happened since that has me changing my tune. And that is the Cardinals last week giving Steve Kime, the GM, a contract extension and Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach, a contract extension. If you are going to give Cliff Kingsbury a contract extension, you 100% need to give Kyler Murray a contract extension. Because the Cardinals are telling you right now, if what Cliff has done in the three years is justifiable for a new deal, then what we have seen from Kyler on the field in these three years is justifiable for a new deal. Like, let me ask you this. What has Cliff, what is what has the head coach done to deserve a contract extension that the quarterback hasn't? They've been tied to the hip together since 2019. Since Kyler has come in, he won the rookie of the year in 2019. He's been a two-time Pro Bowl quarterback. In games he has started, or I guess I should say in, in the three years there, the Cardinals have gone 24-24-1. Not great. I get it. But from where they were in the three, four years prior, getting to 500 in a three-year stretch is impressive. They were the last, if that means much to you, the last undefeated team this past season at 7-0. They have upped their win total every single season from 2019 to 2020 to 2021. And they made the playoffs and almost won the division. So all of those accomplishments, you are going to say if you're Steve Kime, are good enough to give Cliff Kingsbury a new deal as head coach. Cliff, you've done enough. We like what we see so far. So we're going to extend you through 2027. Five-year extension. Cliff is going nowhere. But if Cliff is going nowhere, Kyler can't go anywhere. Because guess what? Kyler is right there equally responsible for the success the Cardinals have had as much as the head coach. So guess what? The reason now, it's easy for us to see now in hindsight why Kyler and his agent put this demand out this time last week. They knew a contract for the head coach was coming. They knew Cliff Kingsbury and the team was working on a brand new extension. So guess what? He got out ahead of it. Instead of waiting for that news to break, 
They got the ball rolling and said, we are putting pressure on the organization before the news is out there that you're going to give Cliff a contract extension. We're going to try to get ours. And after laughing at Kyler and his agent, Eric Burkhart, last week, I am sitting here saying, you know what? They have a right to be upset. They have a right and are in the right to want a new deal. So the Cardinals have forced me to change my tune and admit I was wrong. Change my stance. I rarely try to do that because every time I talk to you guys, I always try to give you my honest, well-thought-out opinion. I never want to say anything off the top of my head. I never want to say anything that's not well-researched or not well-thought or something I just don't believe. This is not a hot take show. We're not just spewing out random thoughts to get you know you to tune in or, or get your attention or get your blood boiling. I will only talk about things that I truly have strong conviction about and believe in. The Seahawks trading Russell Wilson from their perspective, I believe. The Cardinals, either giving Kyler Murray a contract extension last week, was ludicrous because he didn't deserve it. But now if you're going to give the head coach a contract extension that he doesn't deserve, full disclosure, I thought Cliff Kingsbury should have been fired after the Wilds card game. I put a lot of his, I put a lot of the Cardinals' downfall the second half of the year and now two years in a row on Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach. That's who he is. So I thought if I was Steve Kahneman or if I was Michael Bidwell, the owner, I would have fired you know, um, Cliff Kingsbury after, after that embarrassing Rams loss. And instead, if he's going to get an extension, you got to give now your quarterback an extension. That is why I've had to change my tune, do one of the few things I hate doing in, um, in, in changing direction so quickly within a week. Because for the first three years... You cannot hear, uh, you cannot sit here and tell me that Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach, has carried Kyler Murray, the quarterback. If you look at the Rams, I just brought up Jared Goff before, right, and gave the Rams credit for moving on. It became evident and obvious that the last few years of the Sean McVay Jared Goff relationship, Sean McVay was carrying Jared Goff. He was the mastermind behind all the offensive schemes. He is a great play caller, he's a great play designer. And it became obvious that Sean McVay was bending over backwards and doing everything possible to make Jared Goff's life as easy as possible at quarterback. And it became evident that even with basically everything getting, you know, spoon-fed to him, Jared Goff still was unable to get the job done. So we knew Sean McVay was a way better head coach than Jared Goff was quarterback. That's not happening here, though, in Arizona. The head coach is not markedly better than the quarterback. Again, I would put their success and somewhat of the failure on equal, uh, on, you know, spread it out equally. Especially success-wise, I'll give Cliff a lot of credit, but I'll give the same amount of credit to Cliff as I do to Kyler. So 50% of the, of the success is on the head coach. 50% of the success recently is on the quarterback. Well, you can't then reward the head coach without rewarding the quarterback. So I fully stand now behind Kyler Murray. I fully support him and his, you know, in his push to get a new deal done. And I think he should absolutely get a new contract extension from the Cardinals. And there's another reason why I stand behind Kyler Murray. It's not just the fact that he is equally responsible for the success of Arizona and therefore deserves a contract extension just like the head coach got. I also look at this from Kyler Murray's perspective of me not being a huge Cliff Kingsbury fan, me, frankly, not thinking he's a very good head coach, I think the longer Cliff Kingsbury is around, the longer Cliff is the head coach um, in Arizona, 
the harder it's going to be for Kyler Murray to get paid. Here's what I mean by that. As you know, right, quarterbacks now are getting extensions for the most part for their play in the big moment, in the big game, in the playoffs. Right? We just came off of arguably the greatest postseason we've ever seen. And you can make the argument almost every single winning team won because of their quarterback in one way or another. Whether it was the Bengals, whether it was the Chiefs, whether it was the Bills against the, the Patriots, whether it was the Rams, every single team in the postseason won playoff games because of how their quarterback played and the quarterback playing their best football in the big moment or vice versa, struggling to get the job done. So now quarterback salaries continue to skyrocket, continue to only go up and up in part because you want your quarterback to play the best football in January, in December, and that's what you're paying the $40 million for. You're paying them to play well in the regular season, don't get me wrong, but the salaries for quarterbacks are truly earned after Thanksgiving. December, January, and you hope February football. And the longer Kyler plays under Cliff, I don't think he's going to play his best football in December, January, and February because Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach is awful, awful in those months. So if your head coach is not helping you out, how can you truly play elite-level football when the game matters most? Like Kyler Murray struggled and had his worst stretch of the season in December and January this year. Since he came back from injury, after Thanksgiving, when the games and the pressure ratchet up, the Cardinals played their worst stretch of football. So I put a lot of the collapse on the Cardinals this year, barely making the playoffs and getting embarrassed in the postseason. Last year, where they were 6-3, and three, then flopped down the stretch and missed the playoffs outright. I put those second-half fades on Cliff Kingsbury because he has shown and has a track record of being a great coach in the first part of the year and a horrible coach in the second half of the year. So if you can't get a head coach that can help put you in a position to succeed in January and, uh, in January and February and even December, I think you're going to have a tough time playing well and playing your own best football. So the longer Cliff is there and the longer the Cardinals continue to have their swoons in the most important part of the season, I don't think that means Kyler's going to get paid. So if he doesn't get paid this offseason and they have a repeat of 2022 – where they start off hot and Kyler struggles again in January, he struggles again in December, and doesn't really leave you feeling confident. If you're the Cardinals, the longer you keep him on the roster and don't give him that contract, I think the harder it is to convince yourself that he is going to be that guy. That's why I, su I support Kyler Murray for trying to get it now, because the longer you don't get paid, I think the harder it is for you to eventually get that big payday. To talk about and to explain what I I'm saying here for Cliff Kingsbury, in the first half of seasons in his career, Texas Tech when he was a head coach and now with the Arizona Cardinals, in the first half uh, in the first half of seasons, Cliff Kingsbury has a career record of 42, 12, and 1. 42, 12, and 1 is his record since 2013 in the first half of seasons, whether he's at Texas Tech in college or whether he's with the Cardinals in the NFL. His second half record, 16 and 50. 16 and 50 is Cliff Kingsbury's second half record in his career. So how can you, if you are Kyler Murray, 
look at those splits and feel confident, yeah, with Cliff as my coach, he's going to put me in a position to where we come to December football. We come to January football. I'm going to be put in a position to play my best, have my best game, have the best schemes, have new wrinkles that teams won't see coming that allow me to make plays. You can't. You can't feel confident that is going to happen. So when you see the hot starts and the terribly cold finishes, you, you or Kyler Murray, have to be deathly afraid that you are now going to continue to fall um, short in the playoffs and even get into the playoffs and not get that big payday for a while. So that's why I get his push now to get a deal done ASAP. You want to get locked up before teams start to get doubts about whether you can win the big game. Because if you can't win the big game, teams are not going to trust you. It's going to be harder to get a big-time contract that you're looking for. So that's why I do support Kyler Murray now and getting a big deal because I think he realized and he is smart enough to realize uh, to know, oh, Cliff, not exactly the best second-half coach. Not exactly the best coach at, you know, getting us in positions to play our best football after Thanksgiving. Well, if quarterbacks are getting paid for winning the big game, I'm going to have a tough time winning the big game. Meaning, I either need a new coach or a new team. But if neither of those happen right now, I at least got to get a new deal and get my financials locked in before all hell breaks loose. So because of that, because of Cliff Kingsbury's propensity for falling short in the second half, and because the Cardinals told you we are happy with what the head coach did in giving him extension, now you also have to be happy with what the quarterback did to give him an extension. You give Cliff one, you got to give Kyler one. That is why I have flipped my tune and now are supporting Kyler Murray for him getting a contract extension this offseason. He deserves it. He deserves it in the Cardinals' eyes, I should say. I wouldn't have given Cliff Kingsbury a contract extension. I wouldn't have given Kyler Murray a contract extension. But now because Arizona decided to give the head coach one, you got to give the quarterback one. Kyler Murray is justified in forcing, a, forcing the Cardinals to give him a new deal this offseason, and they better. If they don't, it is going to be one contentious season. And who knows? That could be the impetus. That could be the motivation for, uh, for Kyler to try to force a trade. Now we get the background as to why Kyler put an all-out blitz to get a new deal. Because he saw the head coach got one, and he deserves one as well. So I'm curious your thoughts here. After hearing my pitch, do you agree? Does Kyler Murray deserve a contract extension this offseason? Does Cliff Kingsbury getting a new deal now automatically mean the quarterback should get a new deal. Love to hear your thoughts. Facebook Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. Tweet me directly at Ryan Hickey Show. We'll get your thoughts when we return. And also, there are some NBA storylines coming out of this weekend that I want to get into. Including, let's take a break. Let's take a little bit of a pause and putting all the Lakers' troubles on Russell Westbrook. We'll, we'll explain that when we return us into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. 
Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back in, Ryan Hickey Show with you right here on this Monday morning, the last day for at least being in this studio you see behind me. We are changing locales. Moving to New York City, yours truly is. So this time next week, we will not have a show on Thursdays. A heads up. Moving this week, getting all set in the brand new apartment. And this time next week, next Monday, we'll be broadcasting from the heart of New York City. Very excited about that. It'll be a lot of fun. Brand new background. I'll give you some behind the, the scenes uh, looks as well as we take apart the old studios. We get set up for the brand new studio coming. So very exciting times here on the Ryan Hickey Show. And appreciate your support along the way. I want to get to a few different storylines that developed over the weekend that I think are, are worth bringing up here. Number one, let's start with the Lakers. Russell Westbrook, I think, is getting too much blame for the Lakers' struggles this season. He's right now a bigger scapegoat that's, than that's being warranted. The latest example is the latest piece of news came over the weekend right before the Lakers-Warriors tipped off on Saturday night. Adrian Wojnarowski, right, a great ESPN insider, reported that there's multiple Lakers within the organization. Then specified players, front office, coaches, whatever. But multiple Lakers are pushing for Russell Westbrook to be taken out of the starting lineup and be, you know, instead put on the bench. But that Frank Vogel was the one still resisting this move. Now, look, I'll say this. I'm not opposed to the change. I, I, I don't think at this point anything is off the table. Um, if you think that Russell Westbrook coming off the bench gives the starting lineup a boost and, and helps the Lakers get better, I'm all for it. But let me truly ask you this. How much does it truly change? Right, look, we put a lot of blame on Russell Westbrook. How much, whether he's on the bench to start the game or whether he's in the starting lineup, how much does that change where the Lakers are? They are seven games under 500. They are barely hanging on to the ninth spot in the West. Forget just being in the play-in tournament. They could be on the road in the play-in tournament. All of this failure so far this season is not just because of Russell Westbrook. Let's be honest. The reason and a lot of the reason for the struggles are injuries. LeBron earlier in the year was in and out of lineup a ton the first two months of the season. Anthony Davis is living up to Charles Barkley's nickname of street clothes because anytime this guy gets healthy and back on the court, boom, he suffers another injury. Who knows? This guy could be out possibly for the rest of the season. So injuries have taken a big toll. Let's call for what it is. The rest of this team stinks. The way the roster was constructed was horrible. Like We all kind of saw this coming. Maybe not to this extent where there's seven games under 500 where they're barely hanging on for a play-in tournament spot. But when the roster was being put together this offseason, when the Russell Westbrook trade went down, when Alex Caruso was, you know, let go in for agency, when they're signing, you know, old veterans to the minimum, we kind of saw this team does not have a lot of talent. This team's not very good. There's not a lot of playmakers. There's not a lot of good three-point shooting. There's certainly not a lot of defense being played, and that was the hallmark of the Lakers when they won their title in the bubble was good defense. They were built on the defense, and then from there, LeBron and AD offensively were getting the job done. But all of the strengths this team had were weakened this offseason. It's not just one player. It's not just Russ and his closing ability and his 
lack of shot-making ability and his propensity to turn the ball over and his lack of defense, he's been bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you Russell Westbrook has been a good player this year. He's not. And I think he is deserving of moving to the bench because at this point, I don't think the Lakers can really be set in anything. With where you are, you got to try everything. So change for change's sake, I'm for at this point if you're the Lakers. to get anything, any sort of juice going. But my question is, who are you going to put in? It's not like there's three or four great players that Russell Westbrook is keeping on the bench. Who are you going to put in a point guard? Who are you going to play now for us? The answer isn't obvious. The answer is not a no-brainer. And there's not a lot of talent on this team. So let's stop pretending that Russell Westbrook is the main reason why this team stinks. Let's not, you know, try to make out that, oh, Russell Westbrook's going to get traded this offseason and that's going to get the Lakers going again and pretend like that's, you know, the answer. It's not. Let's not pretend that if Russell Westbrook was traded for John Wall at the trade deadline like LeBron James wanted, like Anthony Davis wanted, like all of Clutch Sports wanted, that all of a sudden the Lakers would be, you know, making a charge up the Western Conference standings. No. No, no, no. So let's stop putting L, all of the blame on one player. Again, for how good, let's think about it this way. LeBron James has been great this year, right? We just saw him drop 56 points. In that insane Saturday night win. He was unstoppable. One of the best performances we will ever see for someone of his age at 37 years old with all of the miles on his tires. It was insane. So think about how good LeBron has played all season long. For them to still be seven games under 500, to be in the ninth spot in the West. Do you think that one player on the Lakers is undoing all of the great play from LeBron James? No. No one's that dumb to say that. We're not that you know, dumb to think that. For all the great, you know, greatness from LeBron, Russell Westbrook is not right there undoing it all. It is way more than him. It takes way more than just one person to ruin this great season LeBron is having. So let's stop pretending. Let's stop making Russell Westbrook the scapegoat here. There is blame to go all around. All around. But it doesn't just fall on one person guy's shoulder. I want to stay with that game, though, because on the other side, the the Warriors, there is time to be concerned. It is time to start hitting the alarm, sounding the alarm, and start to get worried that for the first three quarters of the season, we thought, all right, we're going to get a Suns-Warriors Western Conference Finals. There is a real reason to be concerned the Warriors will not get to the Western Conference Finals. If this team, as currently constructed, goes into the postseason like it is, Draymond, uh, Draymond Green can't come back healthy. Draymond Green can't come back and be his effective self. This team is not getting to the Western Conference Finals right then and there. This team not only desperately needs him on the defensive end, they need him on the offensive end, and they need Steph Curry to get out of the worst one of the worst seasons of his career. And right now, none of those two things look like it's going to change. And there should be serious now concern about the Warriors and their ability to make a deep postseason run. Draymond Green has not played since January 5th. That was the last time he truly played. Like, he technically started one game in clay return, but he played for seven seconds and sub right out. So we're not counting that. He has not played in a game since January 5th. The Warriors now, in that stretch, since his absence, are just 14-13 and 13 in two months of basketball. That's a pretty hefty and healthy sample size. So 14-13 and 13 since January 5th when Draymond Green's been out of the lineup. Otherwise, they are 29 and 8. 29 and 8 when Draymond is, for the most part, playing in the lineup and when they had that good continuity start the year. 
And since January 5th, just 14 and 13, there's, again, goes to highlight the importance of Draymond Green. Defensively, they are too small on the defensive end. They are the bottom half of, uh, in, in defense in the league since Draymond Green left with his injury. Offensively, they truly miss Draymond's playmaking in terms of ball movement, in terms of passing skills, in terms of getting the offense rolling and moving here and getting open looks for other guys. This team right now is struggling to make plays on both sides of the court. And guess what? I, again, 14-13 and 13 since that injury happened to his back. And now, don't look now. Where the West used to be a two-team race at the top, where it was the Suns and the Warriors jockeying for position, the Warriors have came back to the pack. They have slipped now to third place. Memphis has jumped them. Memphis is absolutely legit. Utah and Denver are dangerous as well. So now the, the further the Warriors slip, they'll tell you, Steph, you know, Steph Curry will say, seeding doesn't really matter. Seeding matters. Seeding absolutely matters. You can get a play-in team like the Lakers. You can get a play-in team maybe like the Pelicans. If they get hot of the Timberwolves, you can go from that in the first round to possibly facing a team like the Mavericks, like the Nuggets, who also are getting healthier with Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray scheduled to make a comeback towards the end of the regular season. You don't want that in the first round. And then if you're lucky enough to get out of that, then play Memphis in the second round with you being the road team. Go to Memphis if you have to four times. Seeding absolutely matters because right now in this iteration of the Warriors, teams are bigger, Grizzlies are bigger, Utah's bigger, Denver's bigger, the Mavericks are bigger. These teams are more physical, and they're going to bully the Warriors around. And it doesn't help, again, when Steph Curry is having the worst three-point shooting season of his career. When he's struggling with efficiency, when he's not getting his shot, and even when he's getting open shots, not making them. There is real reason to be concerned about the Warriors because Steph is having a struggle, you know, has been struggling for the most part since the, the hot start that he had first month of the year. And Draymond Green's absence has been a huge killer on both ends of the floor. If he can't return to his normal Draymond Green self, this team is in major, major trouble come postseason time. Speaking of major trouble, Ben Simmons is making an Awful decision, if this is truly his decision, to not play in the rematch Nets-Sixers in their return to Philly on Thursday night. Woj reported yesterday that basically there's no chance Ben plays in Philly. He has not played one game since his trade from the Sixers to the Nets. He obviously has not played in one game at all this season. He hasn't played since the playoff exit last year on the second round to the Hawks. But I think this is a massive mistake for two reasons. Number one, most importantly, you got to get this visit over with. You got to get to Philly. You got to hear the boos. You got to hear the jeers. It's going to be ugly. That entire place is going to be sold out and they are going to be revved up. You got to face the music. You got to get that over with. I think if you're Ben Simmons playing in the regular season, it doesn't matter how you play. You can struggle. You can stick. I don't think the results actually matter, but just getting kind of the venom out of the Philly fan who's been saving up since that postseason exit waiting to say your name, curse you out, boo boo you out of the building, say, you know, classic Philly things that won't be very nice, you need to let that kind of have them get out of their system. Embrace it. Get it out of the way. And I think that only benefits Ben himself personally to get it out of the way now instead of building it up and having your first appearance in Philly 
be in the postseason where there are your own questions about your postseason abilities to begin with. Facing the music again, I think already helps it helps him not only get the Philly crowd, you know, kind of get it out of their system a little bit, but also helps Ben get used to it. This is a guy who, again, who has shown he doesn't really take criticism well. He doesn't take the booze well. So at least getting yourself acclimated to the reception you are going to get on March 10th on Thursday, if you play the Sixers in the playoffs, I think will benefit you big time um, come playoff time. Because you look at where the seating is now. Sixers are right on the heels. They're uh, three games uh, behind the heat for first in the Eastern Conference. The Nets right now are in eighth, um, holding on to that playing tournament. If they are in the 7-8 spot and win, they are the seventh seed. The Sixers say the two. That first-round matchup, Sixers-Nets in Philly. It's going to be loud. It's going to be raucous. It's going to get ugly. So I do think the longer you wait... The dread only, you know, uh, ratchets up. The reaction's going to be worse. The anticipation is hard, right? If, like, we've all been there. We all have to do things we don't want to do. And the longer you put it off, right, what happens? The more it builds up in our minds. The harder it is to kind of face the music. The less desirable we are to want to do whatever we're talking about. Whether it's whatever. Whether it's, you know, making a, a phone call at work. Where it's having to call someone with some bad news. And uh, I'll do it in 10 minutes. Uh, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, it's late in the day. I don't want to bug them with it this late in the day. I'll, I'll wait. The longer we put off something we don't want to, or the longer we avoid something we have to do, the harder it gets. So I think for me, if you're Ben Simmons, I would do whatever it takes to try to at least be in the building on Thursday and try to play. I get this lower back injury. Apparently it's really hurting, you know, his rehab his ability to get back on the court. The Nets are trying, at least what they're telling you, to ramp things up back um, after this three-game road trip, which concludes on uh, in Philly on Thursday. I think the longer he waits, the worse it's going to be. I would rather get it over with, get there, face the music, have them you know, say whatever they're going to say, and just get ready to move on. No one's moving on. If you're still ducking them and it's only going to give Philly fans who already have, trust me, a million different reasons to hate you and yell at you, just give them another reason, even more time to build up that energy to yell and scream. And on the other side, the other reason why I think it's a, this is a mistake is, look, he's got to get back on the court. This time, the, the, the season is dwindling. There's only 17 games left in the year. If he misses and he's going to miss these next two games, best case scenario, Ben Simmons has 15 games left to get on the same page with Kyrie, get on the same page with Katie, which already it seems like with the season you know, winding down, the mandates, excuse me, New York City still haven't changed in terms of letting Kyrie play on the court in Brooklyn. The odds of him playing a home game right now are very slim, at least in the regular season. So, so you now have you know, a, a team, the Nets, that is, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, man, excuse me. You now have a team in the Nets that is already basically playing like a, a brand new team every game. You heard, you know, the Nets after yesterday's loss to the to the Celtics, basically saying like they're still everyone trying to get used to and acclimated to playing with each other. First time KD and Kyrie yesterday played together in the same court in almost two months. So you now have these, you know, this lineup in and out already continuing to adjust. And now Ben Simmons, the more time he misses, the harder it is to build chemistry, the harder it is to build continuity as you get set for this playoff run. It's going to be a tough uphill battle. Playing in the you know playing in the playing tournament, then having to face the Heat or the Sixers 
in the first round, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a nightmare. You got to make sure everyone is on the same page as quick as possible. And the more time Ben misses, the harder it is to build that chemistry. So I think it's a massive, massive, massive mistake for the Nets to continue to, again, take their time with Ben Simmons. I get there's a back injury that's going on, but if he's available and healthy to play, he should play on Thursday. It benefits the Nets, and more specifically, it benefits Ben Simmons to get the return to Philly out of the way. But as Woj reported yesterday, basically no chance it's happening. Big mistake. Big, big, big mistake. So when you return here on the Ryan Hickey Show, we will discuss the news of the morning. Kirk Herbstreet going to be the Amazon Prime uh, Thursday night analyst. Is this a good move? We'll discuss when we return to Ryan Hickey on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ryan Hickey back with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So Friday, we learned Aaron Rodgers is reportedly torn from Ian Rappaport about his decision whether to stay or go from Green Bay or play somewhere else next season. I have an idea about why Aaron Rodgers is torn. He's not torn about where he wants to play, whether it's the location of Green Bay, Denver, Pittsburgh, whatever team you want to throw in the mix there. He's not torn about where he wants to play and which team he wants to play for. He's torn about who he wants to play with. I truly think as we wait and continue to, you know, wait and wait and wait, on March 7th, still, still without having an idea of where he's going, I think he is trying to base his decision about where Devontae Adams is going to be. I think Rodgers right now is making the decision, making the move. You say, wherever Devontae is in 2022, that's where I am going to be. He absolutely is basing his decision around Devontae Adams' future. Because if not, let me ask you this, why is it taking so long? It's March 7th. We don't have a decision. The season ended two months ago. Rodgers told everyone at the end of the year he is going to make his decision relatively quick. We just don't have that decision. And now we have reports from Ian Rappaport on Friday, a few days ago, that he is still torn and doesn't have an idea of what he wants to do. The reason for that, I think, is because he wants to figure out where Devontae is going to be. And I do think he is trying to finagle a move to get Devontae Adams to play with him, whether it's in Green Bay, whether it's in Denver, whether it's in Pittsburgh, whether it's wherever. I think Aaron Rodgers wants to leave Green Bay, but he's only going to leave if he can take Devontae Adams with him. That is what's holding up this situation. Let's not forget, Aaron Rodgers called Devontae Adams the best player he's ever played with. So I do think Aaron Rodgers, wherever he wants to go, I think is trying to go there with Devontae by his side. Get a familiar face to throw the ball to. Bring a guy who you've had a lot of success with and continue that relationship they have on the field somewhere else. And the reason why this is all being held up is because the Packers can and should franchise tag Devontae Adams by tomorrow's deadline. 
So the big hold up here, the big question is, I think Aaron Rodgers is trying to work out right now. Will the Packers trade Devontae Adams and him in a package deal to whatever team of their choosing? And I do think right now, if you're the Packers, it's a hard time saying no. you got to remember, if they don't trade, if they play hardball, let's say, don't trade Devonta Adams and Aaron Rodgers if they both want to leave. Both are going to be freighted next year. Right? You franchise Devonta Adams this year. It's a one-year deal. If there's no extension agreed to, both are free agents after the 2022 season. Both can leave for nothing. So you can try to run it back one more year, go for broke, and see what happens. Or you can trade the best quarterback right now in the NFL, top two at worst, the best receiver in the NFL, and get a ton of young players back, a ton of picks back, and start to build the team in Jordan Love's eye. If you are basically having a situation where Rodgers and Adams are going to play together, and it's there together, and they want to leave, and the Packers play hardball, you can absolutely lose two of your biggest assets for nothing. That's tough. The, these two have leverage. You could say the Packers have leverage because Aaron Rodgers is still under contract and Devonta Adams will be under the franchise tag. The Rodgers and Adams dynamic and duo have leverage in this situation. I think they're going to try to use it to get a trade elsewhere. Because I don't think a possibility here is that Rodgers plays in Green Bay without Devonta Adams. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers also leaves Green Bay if, Aaron, uh, if Devonta Adams stays in Green Bay long-term and signs an extension. I think they are a package deal. Devontae's not forcing a trade and want to go somewhere else if Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. And vice versa, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is either leaving the Packers or forcing a trade to go somewhere else if he can't bring Devontae Adams along with him. I think the reason for this delay, what we are learning now in real time, is that these two are trying to become a package deal. And I do think they are trying to play elsewhere. That's what Aaron Rodgers is torn about. He is torn about trying his best to make sure the best receiver, the best player he's ever played with is by his side one way or another. So I've been, on the, I've been in the camp, I've been on the boat that Aaron Rodgers is leaving this offseason. The only thing I think can keep him in Green Bay is if Devonta Adams stays and signs a long-term extension. I think that would change Aaron Rodgers' thinking and have him stay in Green Bay and finish out his career as a Packer. Because the Packers have told you they want to keep Aaron Rodgers. And I think Aaron Rodgers wants to stay with the best player he's had. So when we hear reports that he's torn, Aaron Rodgers is torn about whether he wants to stay in Green Bay or leave, I don't think he's torn about, again, the decision of whether to play for the Packers or somewhere else. I don't think he's torn about the location or the team. I think he's torn about deciding whether he wants to play with Devontae Adams or not. And if that answer is yes, he's trying to say, can I make sure Devontae is with me somewhere else? That, I think, is the decision right now. That, I think, is why we are getting this long, drawn-out decision. Part of it, sure, is Aaron Rodgers trying to play up the attention? Absolutely. I think the other part of it, though, is Rodgers trying to do right by his teammate and make sure they are together in 2022 and beyond. Quickly, I want to say one thing. Amazon is hiring Kirk Herbstreit. Great hire. Kirk is a guy that has a solid name, but I don't think that's as important as his skills. He's a good analyst. He tells us what we need to know. He's quick. He's concise. It's easy to digest. 
Great job by Amazon hiring Kirk Herbstreet. And they're chasing some big, some other big names, whether it's Drew Brees, whether it's Sean Payton. Great job by them because they got a great analyst that I think will make the viewing experience on Thursday night now very, very, very enjoyable. Happy to see Kirk not only doing NFL games, but also staying uh, in college football as well. So that'll do it for this edition of the Ryan Hickey Show. One quick announcement in case you missed it earlier. This is the last show from the home studio. The background here, the Notre Dame walls, the Penn State uh, uh, picture, it is all changing. We are moving studios this week. We're going from Long Island to New York City. Very excited about that. So with the move, unfortunately, no show on Thursday. I will be in the process of moving, trying to move everything out of here into uh, the Big Apple. So we will be back a week from today. Brand new studio, brand new background. Hopefully not a lot of noise. We will see about that, but it should be a lot of fun here. So the, sto- the show will stay the same. The host will stay the same. The background and location will be a little bit different, so make sure you look out for that. I'll be putting some stuff on my Instagram at Ryan Hickey Show on IG. Some behind-the-scenes um, looks both uh, of the old studio and the new studio as well. So make sure you check out, again, Ryan Hickey Show on Instagram to find all those behind-the-scenes videos. So, again, we will be uh, off on Thursday, back on Monday. So have a great rest of your week. As always, stay sane, stay safe, and we'll talk to you on Monday for a new location right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio.